Welcome to the ninth episode of Trust the Badge. In this episode, I interview Officer Myron Godet, who is a police officer in Louisiana. And unfortunately, we are not able to disclose his specific agency, but he shares his thoughts on mental health, the importance of it, and what officers can do to balance their mental health and their work life. For any future or current law enforcement officers, I hope you can learn something that Mr. Godet provides. He provides many examples of how law enforcement can improve themselves mentally. And for the rest of the audience, I hope you can learn something about building trust between the community and law enforcement. It's a super essential and important relationship to keep. Let's begin with an introduction from Officer Godet. How's it going, everybody? My name is Myron Godet, and I'm a police officer in Louisiana. I'm actually a police supervisor. Little disclaimer, I'm, I'm not able to say which agency I work for as I'm still active duty. And I just want everyone to know that what I'm saying today is all my own opinion. It is not reflective of my agency. I'm doing this as an individual and as a coach, because that's what I do on the side. So just a little bit about my background. I've been in law enforcement for 28, both in the United States and internationally. I did what was called the U.S. CivPol program for a short time. Well, I say a short time, more like three years in the early 2000s. During my law enforcement career, I've held many positions, been a, a patrolman. I've been a trainer. I've been a field trainer. I've been a supervisor. I've also been an academy instructor. So also I spent a good amount of time in the detective bureau. So I'm, I have a pretty diverse career when it comes to law enforcement. On the side, I am a, I'm a martial arts and meditation coach. I've been doing that for a long time. I've been in martial arts now for 40 years and I have a pretty good, um, Diverse training record as far as martial arts go. I train in boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu, and I currently hold a fifth degree black belt in a Japanese style of jujitsu. My meditation training has come along with my martial arts training, so it's pretty equally as much time as that. I'm very well traveled, been all around the world, trained in different places, um, and had a lot of fun in my lifetime. So being said, I hope that serves as a good little intro and we can take it from there. Thank you, Mr. Godet. And what encouraged you to become a law enforcement officer? I knew when I was a, a little boy, I was probably 10, 11 years old, and I knew I was either going to be a policeman or possibly in the military. So I knew it was going to be some service or duty route. My father was a firefighter and a charter boat captain, but I mean, it was kind of it was a no-brainer for me. I just, it's something I knew that I wanted to do. A lot of people over the years, they, they say, you know, they wish they would have done what they wanted to as a kid. Well, I can say that I definitely did that. And what are your main duties as an officer, if you can share that with us? I'm a patrol supervisor. I'm a patrol sergeant. So I, and... supervise, I supervise officers on a daily basis. Thank you. And what would you say is your favorite part of the job, least favorite? Well, my favorite is, has to do with the ability to make a difference in my community. Where I work, that is, it's very apparent because we have a very good relationship with the community we police. We have good communication. We have good, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing at all. You can really see the difference that you're making on a daily basis. 
in addition to that, I really enjoy the camaraderie of the guys, of the people I work with. I mean, it's not, not very many things these days have the, the, the type of camaraderie that police work has. If you can share with us, how exactly have you brought some good change or could you just provide some examples of what you just said? Well, when you solve a case and you get someone's property back or you're able to solve a case such as make an arrest, follow it through the court, get a conviction, and you get some closure for the victims and things like that, you it's a really satisfying thing. You, you get to see when you deal with these victims again that they are very grateful. I mean, in a community like mine where we do have a good relationship with with people it's it's something that's that's very it's very clear um also i mean when being i mean you're also a first responder so you're not only a police officer you have many other duties so just by your interactions with the daily community you can see that it makes a difference to them that you're there that that, that we're that our presence is is wanted and needed and as you mentioned earlier what do you do outside of policing, such as hobbies? I have a very busy life. I teach martial arts. Basically, it's like a second full-time job. I, I teach boxing, kickboxing. I teach a slew of workshops, private lessons. I also referee mixed martial arts. So if you ever turn on the TV and there's mixed martial arts on and there's a guy who looks like me refereeing, it's me. I've refereed a lot of the large promotions such as the UFC, Bellator, Legacy Fighting Alliance, pretty much all of them. So I'm one of Louisiana's licensed MMA referees, so I, I, I do that. So that keeps me pretty busy. So as far as hobbies, I, I have plenty. That's really interesting. So how long have you been involved in the martial arts, and what have you studied? Forty years. I started when I was 10 years old, and I, was, I started in karate. I did that for a little while, and then I moved into boxing and kickboxing, and shortly after that, jiu-jitsu. And I've maintained training throughout basically boxing, kickboxing, and jiu-jitsu for the last, really the last 40 years. I mean, it's, it's been, I don't remember a time when I was not training in martial arts. How does it relate to your law enforcement career? So the martial arts, when they're coached properly, there are a lot of intersecting points that I would consider necessary to make a really good police officer. The discipline, the drive, the camaraderie, also the ability to handle yourself in a way that's, that's, that's appropriate and reasonable is a good, a good way to, to think about it. So in the martial arts, like the way we train, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of accountability. There's accountability to your teammates, to your gym, to your instructor. There's a great degree of respect that goes around, and it creates an environment that's, that's very conducive to the same qualities that a police officer needs, especially in today's environment. It, it basically teaches, it, it, it's an ethical approach. It's an ethical approach that has a long history. And so I would tell you ethics before tactics in the way I think.
in, in my martial arts training. So there, there's a ton of intersecting points. That's pretty interesting. How did you get involved in meditation though? So meditation is a sidebar of martial arts. If you study with a reputable martial arts school, especially a school that's coming out of Asia, such as Japan or something like that, you're going, you're going to be exposed to meditation practices. Before class, you would always conduct a, you know, a short meditation. But as you get better and better and more accomplished in the martial arts, you realize that the meditation practice is just as important as the physical practice because at, at its core, meditation teaches you how to operate your mind. And by being able to operate your mind with a lot of mental bandwidth, it transitions into every area of your life. And it's, it's a very, it's a very good, like I said, it's a very good sidebar for the martial arts. So it, it's almost inseparable if you train correctly. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't good martial artists that, that don't meditate. I, that's, I'm sure there are, but I'm saying that if you add meditation to your martial arts training or even your daily life, you're going to find that you will see significant improve, improvements in your mental health, your ability to concentrate, your ability to focus, and your ability to have, like I said, that mental bandwidth that's necessary for life. So while you're doing martial arts, meditation, and all while being a, being a police officer, could you explain like how you balance all of that? A lot of planning. Keep a good calendar. I every week sit down generally on a Sunday and I plan out my week very, very detailed. Um, I have a lot of people that are my clients alongside, like a lot of police officers work off duty details. I don't do that. I teach, I teach martial arts and, and meditation. So I, I don't have time, time to work off duty details. So I get it all in and I do have a family life as well. I live with my wife and have three rescue dogs that I raise. So again, it, it stays pretty busy, but I, I manage because of good planning. That's nice to know. How can practices like martial arts and meditation be beneficial to today's law enforcement officers? We're getting to a point in law enforcement today where the demands for practical, appropriate, ethical training is just, it's a necessity now. Years ago, the martial arts was somewhat separate, even though it had some intersecting points with police training. Nowadays, it's becoming fused together. Over the past 10 years or so, actually probably a little bit more than that, you've started to see a, a movement in the law enforcement community to gravitate to things like jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, things that, that actually provide practical training in the officer's off time that contribute to him being able, him or her being able to do their job in a much more effective way. When you have a really good knowledge of martial arts and your, your abilities are where they need to be, your ability to use a minimal amount of force or a very reasonable amount of force increased dramatically. So you end up having way less use of force complaints, way less injuries to yourself and to suspects. And uh, you, it, it makes you more professional all the way around. It, like I said, it's a, it's, it's necessary today to have this. So what is your opinion on the current state of overall officer wellness across the country? Well, 
Officers are just like everybody else. They're, they're human beings. Even though they're held to a higher standard, officers are suffering from a lot of the same things that the rest of the population are. They're, suffer they're suffering from things like obesity, diabetes, depression, certain, certain mental problems, things like that. And as a, I should say, overall, the officers that I come into contact with really need to take care more so than the average person based on what they're exposed to on a daily basis to take care of their own mental health. Across the country, I would say that, that it, a lot of officers are suffering right now. They're, they're definitely suffering. There's a high suicide rate. There's a high divorce rate. There's, there, there's a very, in fact, law enforcement in America is consistently rated as one of the most stressful jobs in the world. And you can look that up from many different sources. So our mental health these days is, it's not so good, but it's really important to learn things like I'm talking about in order to manage to have a long career. So what can agencies do better to improve morale and overall fitness for duty, knowing that police officers are struggling with mental health right now? Well, a lot of agencies have taken some steps. My agency, for sure, takes care of its people, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's a very refreshing thing to see. But what agencies really need to do is they need to implement and follow up on wellness programs for their officers. For years and years, it was very stigmatized for an officer to seek out mental health help. Um, officers were very reluctant to do it. They believed that it, make them, it, that it made them appear weak made them think that they might get pulled off the street and not able to make a living. But what we need to do is destigmatize people who are reaching out for help and give them the right training and lifestyle adjustments in order to thrive in their career. It's very doable, but agencies have got to, they have to really take care. They need to implement things like peer support programs. They need to uh, start exploring things like I'm talking about, like, like meditation. They need to start providing more guidance when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to a balanced lifestyle. I would also even go so far as to tell you that agencies need to start looking at providing maybe some financial advisors to their officers, because financial stress is a very big one in a lot of agencies that still don't get paid very much money. So that contributes to a lot of the, I should say, dis-ease in the community. So agencies need to pay more attention to things like that, but also follow up on, on them. They got to check on their people. The, their rank has to check on their people. That's really important. Right. And because when you brought up training, do you think that academies should start focusing more on some mental health and something to improve <clears throat> officers for their future in the field? Oh, absolutely. There really needs to be, in academies, there has to be segments on understanding what's coming in your life. When you're a new police officer, especially you're a young man or woman, and you're putting this uniform on for the first time, a lot of people don't realize how much this is going to change over their, their lifestyle. You really become alienated from other people. You start to develop kind of an us versus them mentality. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up in places that you really don't want to be. And if you get, if you get to the right kind of training first, 
and you you have a good understanding of what you're getting yourself into, a better chance of making it through a long career in a successful and happy way to where you can retire and live some years out. That's another big problem is that a lot of law enforcement officers will retire and die a couple of years after because the job is such a part of their identity that when they leave it, some of them, they have nothing else left. And just going off of that, some have said that this is the worst time in history to be a police officer based on the current social landscape. And even as you, we were just talking about mental health, do you agree or disagree? I disagree. I believe that all these problems are certainly out there, but I think there's a bright side to this. I actually choose to believe that this is the best time to be a police officer. And I'll tell you why, because the job is changing so fast in another few years, it's going to be almost unrecognizable. And by that is technology is shaping this career, just like it's shaping everything else. And you're going to see some technologies coming online in the coming years that are going to really drastically change how we do this job. That and more awareness when it comes to um, social changes that are happening in this country. I think a lot of agencies are starting to understand that as diverse of a job as this is, they're starting to understand how better to provide resources for things that officers encounter. So really you're in a time right now where the job is shaping up to be a very different job. And if all goes well, what's going to end up happening is it's going to be one of the most, it, it's, it will still be one of the most challenging jobs, but at the same time, it's, it's also going to be one of the most rewarding jobs, especially if you can cause positive change in your community and see that throughout your career. So it doesn't do us any good believe that this is a bad time to be the police. You have to look at it from the other side and realize like all this change can and should be leading us to a much better place. And that's up to us to be able to work with, especially as rank to work with our officers and explain these things to them to where we can improve our morale so they can see this side of things, if that makes sense. That would make sense. And to potential police officers or future law enforcement listening to this episode right now, what would you tell them based off of this topic on would it be a good time to be a police officer? Yes, absolutely. Because first of all, you can get hired almost anywhere in the country right now. Everyone is hiring. They've had lots of agencies have lost lots of people. And that's can be it can be interpreted as a bad thing but at the same time as i just said it can be interpreted as a good thing there's a ton of opportunities and the opportunities that are out there for a young person this is a really good thing to get involved in a service oriented life and it will take you far there's a lot of job stability and you'll learn so many different life skills being a police officer that you will not learn in other careers so I would highly recommend somebody who thinks they have what it takes to come and put the badge on, look in the mirror, see yourself in that uniform and go and serve your community with a sense of pride. Definitely. That's a really good message. And going back to the topic of policing right now, how often do you or did you interact with the public and the community? Oh, every it's it's every day. 
In the, could you just provide some example of what ways, because I know that many police departments across the country, they have different forms and different programs, such as community service policing. They have just community police centers. How exactly do you take your time to interact with the public in the community? Well, we're in the patrol division, so we are the tip of the spear when it comes to when the public calls 911, we're who shows up. So we are the most visible and interacting part of an agency when it comes to dealing with the public. Like we're the first faces that, that they see. So we have numerous contacts with people every single day. That's good to know. In your experience working in many different positions for the police department, what did you encounter or see on the job that gave you more motivation for your work? So. I would say communication and support from the community. And I, let, let me explain how, how that, that works. I believe that motivation does not spring up out of nowhere. I think that motivation act is an emergent property of momentum. And when you're out there on a daily basis and you're doing very good things, even if they're small on a daily basis, and you're getting this constant positive interaction with the community, that leads to a much greater degree of motivation. Motivation doesn't pop out of nowhere. Like, like I said, it, it's a product of momentum. And by effective policing, effective communication, and knowing the areas that you patrol and the people that are in them, you can achieve a very high degree of what I would call community-oriented policing. But at the same time, you see the results of your work every day. What about the U.S. CIFPOL program that you're in? What do you think of that experience? How is that different than what you do right now? Well, that's, that's very different. So U.S. CIFPOL program was a situation where in the early 2000s, I was sent to Korea, which is former Yugoslavia, to the war. The CIFPOL program takes civilian police and puts them in international environments that are often like war-torn or, you know, extreme poverty. And it assists in rebuilding the infrastructure of those places. So I was originally signing up. They told me I'd be gone for six months. I ended up being gone for three years. I really, really enjoyed the program. It allowed me to travel the world. It allowed me to work hand-in-hand -hand with the United Nations, with NATO, with the Union. I made contacts from all over the world that I'm still in touch with. The simple program was an extremely important for me, although it's, it was very different than the kind of policing we do here in the States. We, when we first got there, it was absolute chaos. We had to assist in restoring order to the country. I mean, we had to act in a police capacity backed up by such as NATO. And as the mission went on, we were able to together and train locals into what's known today as the Kosovo Police Service. And we were able to then hand it over to them into a similar version of policing today, like you would see here. Would you do it again? Absolutely. I can tell you that if you look at what's going on in Ukraine right now, the possibilities for things such as CivPol and contracts will pop up. I believe when the Ukraine thing calms down, there will be opportunities for, for police officers with a lot of experience, especially training experience, to go over and, and make a difference over there. They'll have to go with contracting companies just depending on you know who's in the game at the time. 
but I do see opportunities coming with that. Now, again, is that easy? It's if you're used to a soft life in the United States, it's that might not be for you. But it's definitely definitely coming. There will be more opportunities to do it. Thank you. And if you had to choose between what you're doing right now in your local police department versus civil, I know there's like a major difference, but clearly in both, you've had a major impact and you literally love both experiences. Which one would you choose and why? Well, I mean, the the majority of my time, I've been with a local police agency. So, I mean, I'm an American at heart. I mean, even though I enjoy being overseas, I would have to say I would rather be home among my friends and things like that. But again, I live a very diverse life. So, I, you know, I don't mind putting on a backpack and going travel. I've done that quite a lot. But I would have to say that because of the local impact and because of the influence that I have in my agency and things like that, I mean, obviously, this is my home. And what message do you have for any current or future law enforcement listening to this interview right now? And how can they change the perspective of law enforcement in the future? You Are you talking about like people coming into this job or people on this job or what? Both. So, well, turn the news off. It really, turn, turn the news off. That's, that's number one. You need to take the pulse of what's going on in your community. If I were to watch the news every day, I would think that everything's falling apart. And if you come to my community, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. The interactions that I have with the public on a daily basis are very positive. And at the same time, just if you turn the news off and you focus on what's right here and, and turn off the news, like stop listening to media that is not reflective of the truth in your community, go out in your community, make your difference, talk to your people, get to know the people in your area and operate like that. When you, when you do that, your career is going to be much more successful. Don't, don't listen to all these outside influences. Most of them are irrelevant and it's nothing you can control anyway. So you need to focus on what you can control and what's right in front of you. Go out, do your job. Like I said, keep your head down, be respectful, be nice, have a high sense of integrity and ethics, and you're not going to have a problem. And like you have experience with your community, how can they also benefit their community in terms of trust and relations? How can they improve community relations with law enforcement? So that goes back actually to what I was talking about, about mental. They need to care for themselves first. The examples that they set by their appearance, by their demeanor, by the way they, their, their level of professionalism, that's going to take them a long way when it comes to the community, their community relations. So having your own stuff together really, really precedes the ability to do a good job. If you don't have your own stuff together, and you are a mess and you are having a lot of problems with mental health, depression, maybe alcoholism, family life, things like that, that's not going to translate very well into doing your job. And that's why things like meditation and self-care, working out, eating right, having a good healthy balance in life, by doing that, you will be a much better representation of your agency to the community and they will trust you a lot more. Thank you. And ultimately, going back to that question, obviously, but how do we trust the badge? So as far as trusting the badge, it's all about integrity. When it comes to 
policing in this country today, the vast, vast majority of police interactions with the public are have no problems. A very small percentage, very, very small percentage of them go bad. And that's for any amount of reasons. I mean, it could be anything. And of course, as in any profession, there are some bad police officers that have to be weeded out. But there's many, many, many more really good police officers. So in order to trust the badge, the name, the main, the name of the game is really integrity. It's integrity and having yourself together as an officer. And I, I preach that all the time. If you have those things and you approach the job from a balanced perspective and you have a non-distracted, large mental bandwidth that you can solve problems with, that you, you're going to do well in this, in this profession. And could you just go back on meditation, other hobbies, and how police officers can incorporate it with their life and how it can benefit them? Yes. Okay. So meditation. A lot of police officers would think that meditation is some kind of woo-woo, hippie thing that, that they have no business doing. Man, that is nothing could be further from the truth. There's a ton of research now that shows that a regular meditation practice creates a much, it creates the conditions for a much more stable mindset. And I keep, I've used the term a few times, mental bandwidth. I want you to understand what that means. A police officer on a daily basis has to contend with the computer in the car, the radio, the calls that they're going on, being aware of where other units are, being aware of their safety, their position. So there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of multitasking. And if you don't have an adequate amount of mental bandwidth, you're not going to be very good at doing this. If you're distracted and you're having things going on that, that shouldn't be, it's going to be bad. And it could even be fatal if you are distracted at the wrong time. Now, implementing a meditation program is, it, it's really simple. It requires you to sit on an almost daily basis. It's easy to start for maybe 10 minutes at a time, and you're going to choose a posture. Generally, I choose what's called a seiza, or it's a kneeling posture. It's representative of martial arts meditation. My particular style of meditation is a Zen meditation. It's called Zazen. And basically what it entails is you sit down and shut up. You're going to have a lot of thoughts that come into your mind. You're going to be thinking, oh, I'm wasting my time. What's going on here? What do I have to do later? What am I going to have for dinner? I have to pay my bills. But that's all part of the process. A very good metaphor for meditation is think about a snow globe. If I take a snow globe, like a little Christmas ornament, and shake it up, and you see all of the particles of snow in the snow globe, that's kind of what your mind is like on a regular basis. Your thoughts are all over the place. But when you take that snow globe, and you sit it down and sit it still, all of that snow goes to the bottom. And what you have is clarity. Clarity is the ultimate goal of meditation. It's not clearing your mind. It's having the conditions in your mind to think clearly. So that benefits us in a lot of ways, right? If we go about our day and we're constantly distracted, thinking about other things, and we have a low mental bandwidth, we become susceptible to bad things. This is where I, the, a good example is like when people start to drink or start to develop bad habits 
or risky behaviors or drugs and things like that due to them not having a stable mindset. When, when you have a balance of physical fitness, mental fitness, good nutrition, and you have your home life together, you'll see that that mental bandwidth is like, it's startlingly clear and it makes a huge difference when it comes to running your life and it transitions over into your job. And when you get good at it, no matter what the job throws at you, you're gonna be able to deal with it and you're gonna be able to survive it and thrive from it. You're gonna, it'll become learning experiences rather than traumatic experiences. I saw a lot of traumatic things overseas. And I can tell you right now that my meditation practice was at its strongest over there because I really needed it. I saw a lot of bad things. So I know it to be true and I know that it works. And that's why I try to implement it when I train just normal people and police officers and police officers, plus any first responder, military, they all need this. They just don't know that they need it. And to understand it, the way it works, once you put a little bit of time into it, 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 it changes everything. So that, that's a, a good way to put this. That might've been a long answer, but it's, it, it really is profound. That definitely is a great answer. Thank you. And do you have any final thoughts? Okay. I would say for final thoughts, for those of you out there that are doing this job and listening to this podcast, please consider in your life balance. Like I said, you have to take care of yourself. Physical fitness, good nutrition. It's all available. We have access now to as much information as possible, way more than we've ever had in history. And really, there's no excuse to not be informed. So use this information and use it to create a balance in your life that's going to help you thrive with this job. Because if there's any takeaway message, it really is this. If, you're, if your outside life is a mess, your law enforcement life will likely also be a mess. So take the time to think about the things that I said. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me at couragecombatives.com. That's, that's my side business. I'll be happy to coach any of you. I'll be happy to talk to you. And I'll be happy to, like I said, help you achieve a state of balance. And I hope that that helps. And I hope that this podcast may have inspired some of you to look up some of the things that I was talking about. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Mr. Godet. I really hope everyone had a great time listening to you and learned a lot from your experiences as a police officer. And definitely thank you for bringing up mental health because first of all, mental health is a huge, huge issue. It's definitely undermined. It's definitely not as talked about, especially for law enforcement. If you could look at the statistics, I've seen them too, but I'm pretty sure in sometime during 2021, law enforcement suicide rate was at an all time high and it's dangerous. And I haven't looked at the recent statistics, but knowing that it was an all-time high in 2021, I'm pretty sure it needs to get better. And if not already, so thank you for bringing that up. That is definitely something that a lot of people and especially law enforcement needs to focus on right now. Yeah, it's, it really is one of the top issues in this country. Not, it's not only law enforcement. Like you said, it's the general public as well. But as we're seeing, it's creeping into law enforcement more so than it ever has before. And you're right. The suicide rate is completely unacceptable. And I just any difference that I can make 
I will try to make with whoever I need to talk to. I'm also in my agency. I'm a peer support officer. So I do talk to a lot of people about their problems. So I really encourage all agencies out there that, that might be listening to this, please take this seriously and try to get something in place, some kind of policy and program in place where you can take care of your people and you can follow up on it. It's not a stigma to need help. And it's also definitely not a stigma to go out of your way to prepare yourself mentally, like I've talked about with meditation, martial arts, and a good balance in life. So that being said, I hope everybody out there really stays safe and good luck on your careers. Thank you, Yen. And thank you when you talked about meditation and martial arts. That definitely is a huge and very important example that law enforcement can use right now. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you for everyone who listened to this episode and for any current or future law enforcement that is listening to this podcast right now. Please reach out to Mr. Godet if you have any sort of questions regarding meditation or mental health. His email is myron.godet at couragecombatives.com. That will be in the description below. And thank you again for listening.